Oh, good morning. Real quick, how many of you are happy? Wow. <laughs> That's one happy room. I'm glad you're happy. How many of you are joyful? Hmm. How many of you know the difference? Hmm. That's interesting. Joy. I've got the joy, 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 joy. That's a good place. That's good. Amen. If you would, pay attention this morning to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading with verse 8. And we're going to look at some joy, some reason for some real joy. And I need to stop right there and remind you or tell you the sermon title. Great joy. You can have it. But that's not how it's written. Great joy? There's a question mark there. You have to inflect that voice. Great joy? You can have it. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. Follow along with me, will you? Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the, flo- in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold... An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Pray with me. Father, God, I love you and I praise you and I thank you this morning for this joy that is almost unspeakable. A joy that should pervade every aspect of the Christian walk. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, for those who are seeking happiness instead of seeking joy. For, Father, there is indeed a difference. Father, I pray that as we look today, that, Father, you would help us to understand and to learn uh, about the sources of this joy that came that night. And, Father, that we can leave this place contemplating and indeed embracing the joy of the Lord that is our strength. These things we pray in the blessed and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Starting from the the proclamation, the angel's promise of good news of great joy, my question to you this morning is why don't we experience great joy in our lives. You might be sitting there saying, well, check this message off because I'm joyful. Stick with me because I think you might find that there is even more to be had. So where is it? The angel promised this was good news of great joy. There in Luke, the, the second chapter, the 10th verse, the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. 
<laughs> this passage has been repeated frequently enough during Christmas time that we sometimes lose sight of its truth and we just hear a cliche. <laughs> Peace on earth, good tidings of great joy. And we just blah, blah, blah. Well, it's not blah, blah. It's a proclamation from heaven itself. The angel meant what he said. This was a message of good news and great joy. So this morning, let's focus on the great joy part. Let's let the message that the angel brought be what it was intended, among other things, to bring great joy into our lives. Yet many of us don't have great joy that is spoken of. It's a sign that we've somehow gotten off track. How do we get off track? Well, sometimes it's job loss. Sometimes it's financial struggles. Sometimes it's the loss of a loved one. Sometimes it's um, a relationship that falls apart. Sometimes it's, and we could, oh, we could go on for days about things that steal our joy or get us off track of that joy. This morning, my hope and my prayer is that even, listen to me, all eyes right here. I am so good looking. I don't know how you could not. I'm just kidding. That's not true. I want you to pay attention. For even those of you who raised your hand and said, I'm happy. I have joy. Even for those of you who did that, but you were struggling because you did it because every other hand went up and you're struggling. I pray this morning that you understand that between you, this message, and a holy God, He wants to speak to you and bring you great joy. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. Hey, well, I just talked about you getting off track. Let's not let me. So I want you to think about your life, your, your own spiritual life. I want you to think about it. Is joy a prominent characteristic? Is that even something that you remotely expect when you put your feet on the floor for the first time each day? If not, consider the message that the angels shared with those lowly shepherds out in that field as they watched over their flocks by night. This morning, let's look at a few of the places that in the New Testament where it speaks of joy and gives us some insight to the source of that joy. Certainly not an exhaustive list this morning. There's no way we'll get through it all. And we also acknowledge the truth that not every moment in our lives is going to be full of joy. But listen, it's on, your, it's on your notes, it's in a box on your notes, and probably uh, the most profound thing that you'll read this morning. Joy, but joy should be a regular part of our lives as Christians. Did you hear me? Joy should be a regular part of our lives as Christians. Uh, I love to have fun. Can you tell? I love to have fun. I loved coming up here and saying, hey, Chris, you messed up. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> it was, no, I'm just kidding, man. Uh, see, I like to have fun. And I know Chris can take it because Chris is going to dish it back out at some point. He's going to throw it right back at me, and I love it. 
I love to have fun, but joy, joy should be the regular part of our lives as Christians. Not just having fun, but a joy that uh, the only way I can describe it is bubbles up from our soul as a result of our close relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're going to get into a whole lot more of that here in just a moment. So let's just stick with the, the, the script here. Let's look at some sources of joy. Please hear me. Some sources of joy. One, I have to sing it and I apologize. He's alive again. He's no longer where he lay. He's alive again. He's no longer in the grave. Well, that brought a lot of joy. <laughs> He's alive. And you say, wait a minute, this is Christmas preacher. Don't fast forward to Easter. Oh, my dear friends, Christmas, everything Christmas does is points to Easter. Do you hear me? Everything about Christmas points to Easter. See, the joy, this great joy that, that the angel speaks about, it's pointing towards salvation. It's pointing towards redemption. It's pointing towards the hope that springs eternal in Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 8. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and joy and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' words. There was great joy when they heard that Jesus was alive. They were ecstatic. They couldn't believe what had just transpired. They'd been, they'd been living in Holy Saturday in grief and pain, having watched Jesus die on the cross. And they were, they were in disbelief that, that everything that he said was starting to crumble before their eyes. And then Easter morning happened and the, the tomb was empty and he's alive. Boy, that ought to make you happy. Where's the joy? Oh, right there. My Jesus is not dead. He's alive. He's alive. Jesus is alive today. Unlike all the other great religious leaders of history, and I use great with a very small g, Jesus is different because it's because of, it's because he is who he said he is. He is God's only son, and he's alive. It's enormously good news. We serve a risen Savior, and He's in the world today. It opens the door for us to have hope beyond this life. It gives us the confidence that death is not the last word. <laughs> I don't know about you, but we could stop right here, and I could leave this joint, <laughs> and I could walk out that door and have the joy of the Lord all day long. Because Jesus is alive. If one should be enough, look what you've got to look forward to because there's four more. Y'all are just so, so serious. <laughs> Number two, the ability to see God's power at work through you. Listen to Luke 10, 7. Or 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then Luke 10, 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Jesus sent out the 72 
of his disciples to do the work of the kingdom. It's telling what the response was when they returned. They returned with joy. There's a great joy for them in seeing the power of God working through them. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are God's workmanship and that God has prepared the works that we are to do. See, you were created with a purpose. You were created with a plan. That plan and that purpose is one of two things. You ready? I'm not going to say what you think. That plan and that purpose is one of two things. It's either realized or it's unrealized. It's realized or it's unrealized. It's you saying yes and fulfilling that which God has called you to, or it's you saying, I reject your plan for my life. I will choose to live of and for myself. I'll be my boss, not you, God. (laughs) Oh, I want the joy of the Lord in my heart. I don't know about you. I want the joy. And the joy is to do what he's called us to do. It brings us joy to see God working through us and touching others' lives through us. It helps us to know that God is real and that our lives have a purpose and a meaning. I can tell you this. There's no place I'd rather be on a Sunday morning in in this world than to be standing in Garnerville, Nevada, off Centerville Road, in this building, in this room, up here, right now, because it's where I'm supposed to be. There's no greater joy than doing what God has called you to do. Well, you say, well, that's cheating, preacher. It's what you do. Well, yeah, you're right. It's cheating because I'm doing what I do. It's doing what I've been called to do. My question for you is, are you doing what you called to do? That means maybe preaching. That means maybe praying. That means maybe teaching. That means maybe reaching. That means maybe being hospitable. That may mean singing. That may mean just putting your arm around somebody who's down and out. It might be reaching down into the gutter and helping somebody who's down and out all the way down and out. It may be a million and one things that God's called you to. My question is, are you doing what you've been called to? Hmm. I can promise you one thing. If you get there and you are there and you're doing what you've been called to, you're going to find one thing to be certain in your life. Joy. I have so much fun with you because I get to do this. I get to do this and it's my calling and I get to do it with you. I get to live life with you. Listen, it's not about being a preacher. It's about being a part of a body of believers, a local body of believers that's band together under one common salvation, seeking to serve him and doing it all the while. If we're doing what we've been called to, nothing but joy will come out of this place. Nothing but joy. Did you hear me? Nothing but joy. Watch this. Watch this. It's one of the most amazing things in the world. Listen. I love you. Did you hear that? Did you hear it? (laughs) It's like the Pillsbury Doughboy. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) And it's true. It's, I do love you. And I love you because you're family. Did you notice that Lisa and I brought uh, um, all of our family with us today? No, we didn't because uh, they're all over the world. But 
<clears throat> I will say that we brought our family, and you're our new family. You're pretty cool, and I love you. I want to do, I want to do ministry with you, and we will find joy as a, rejoy, as a result. <laughs> it's great to see God's power working through us. Number three, now we've got to hurry because you've taken way too much time. Enjoying, <laughs> enjoying closeness to Christ. Listen to John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Full. Don't you love that? Full. Do you get the imagery? It's that overflowing, that, that your joy may be full. I want, I want full. I want it all. I want everything that God has for me. I want everything, not, not because I'm selfish. It's because I want that kind of a relationship with him where I'm getting everything that he has to offer me. It's just like a marriage. I want everything that Lisa has to offer me. And let me tell you, she made some molasses cookies this weekend. And I was like, honey, I love you all over again. I want, I want molasses. Y'all, if you don't eat molasses, you are not in the family. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jesus tells us that he has shared the previous message so that his joy may be in us and that our joy may be made complete. And those are some pretty amazing offers. I don't think you'll get a better offer anywhere. So what is exactly is that message? He's sharing that when we obey the teaching of Christ, we will abide in him. A lot of people struggle with this concept of abiding in somebody, abiding in Christ. That means we will be, at the very least, close to him. But those words don't seem to fill it. When we abide in Christ, we, we will find ourselves being fruitful we will find ourselves growing as a result of that relationship with him. Let's put it this way. <laughs> Obey. You might want to write this down. Obey. Abide. And what? Abound. Obey. Abide. Abound. Well, what does that even mean? Obey, abide, abound. <clears throat> when I obey the teaching of Jesus, that leads me to abiding in Christ. And when I abide in Christ, that leads me to abounding in fruitfulness. <laughs> I love it. Here is just, I'm, let's just summarize the closeness to Christ. And there's more to it than that, but we'll use that as a, a form of shorthand, okay? Let's, let's, just, let's just simply say we need to get close to Christ. When I have that closeness to Christ, it's going to give me what verse 11 speaks of, his joy in me and his joy in me complete. Many Christians don't have that joy. And part of the reason is that they are distant from God. The good news is that he gives us a path towards that joy. Obey, abide, abound. Obey, abide, abound. <laughs> obey, abide, abound. Obey, abide, abide. Obey, abide, abound. It's, this is not, I, I don't want to go past it. How do you abide in Christ? I'm, I, I said we were going to go on past it, and I'm not going to. I'm, I apologize for that. We've got until 2 o'clock. 
To abide in Christ means that I'm going to spend time with him. That means I'm going to immerse myself in him. I'm going to study him. I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to watch him. I'm going to emulate him. I'm going to, I'm going to abide in Christ. How do I do that? The, the quickest and, and surest way to abide in Christ is to abide in his word. And now, uh, when I was, uh, when I was just a boy, I remember when I was in First Baptist Church of Grosbeck, Ohio. That's the church that we, that I grew up in. We moved to another community when I was 13. That's where the church that I got saved in. This is the church of my childhood. And I'll never forget, we had a revivalist in doing a revival. And I was a seven-year-old boy, eight-year-old boy, somewhere in there. And I remember what he said, and I, I think you're probably not going to forget it. He said somewhere along in his message, whatever that message was, he said these words. He said, I'm tired of so many of you being dashboard Christians. Dashboard Christian? What do you mean? He went on to describe the dashboard Christian. He said, you all got here to church this morning. You reached up on the dashboard and you came in here to church and you opened up your Bible and you acted like a good old pious Christian. You went to Sunday school or you went to church service, however much you partook. Then you got done and you went outside and you got in your car and you tossed your Bible up on the dashboard. And that's where that Bible sat until the following Sunday morning when you got to church and you reached up and pulled that Bible back off that dashboard to go in and look like the good old Christian that you're supposed to be. Man, let me tell you something. It's something obviously as a child, it made an impression on me. And let me tell you something. It should be making an impression on you. It should be convicting your heart should be encouraging your heart it should be shaking you to your core and you i want you to understand that to abide in christ you first must needs know him you first must needs know him and to know him is to know his word and you say well preacher i'm i'm not a good reader i don't like to read i've, I've never been a good reader i get it we live in the age of if you can't or don't want to read, you can listen to it. You can watch it. You can record it. You can, I mean, there's so many ways. You can do it on uh, cassette tape. <laughs> Who even knows what that is? <laughs> you can do it on CD. That's pretty much gone away, too. You can do it MP3 downloads. You can do it. There's so many ways that you can listen to the Bible or to consume the Bible. I'm encouraging you. And you say, well, I've tried that. I opened it up and I started reading Genesis and I didn't get past Exodus. I mean, it was driving me crazy. That stuff's okay. Listen to me. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If you're not a regular consumer of God's word and you want to, you're desiring, you really, you really have a desire to, you just, you just never have. Let me encourage you to do this for me. No. Let me encourage you to do this for you. Go home today. Pull out your Bible. Actually, you could just pull out a New Testament if you wanted to, but open up to the book of John. Not 1st, 2nd, or 3rd John, to, but to the book, the Gospel of John. Open up and start reading the Gospel of John. Read it from beginning to end. And if you don't get it, Go back and start with chapter 1, verse 1, and read it all over again. 
And I'm telling you, he will begin working in your heart and he will start showing you a love for his word and it'll start coming alive. And all of a sudden you'll start branching out and do Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, wherever. But let me tell you, start with the book of John. Go there and do that was a such that was all free. Number four, seeing God answer your prayers. Oh, this is an exciting one. Oh, the joy of answered prayer. Listen real quick to John 16, 24. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made. Oh, oh, here it is again. Full. Your joy will be made full. In this verse, Jesus opens the door up to trusting prayer request and then proclaims that when we receive our joy will be complete two pieces the praying and the joy first let's look at the praying we are to ask God to move and expect that he will many of us pray without any real expectation that God will answer did you hear me we are to ask God to move and expect that he will I was preaching at Brookville Road Baptist Church up in Indiana. It's an Ohio church, but it's actually in Indiana by about 200 yards or something. But it was a very small church. They ran probably 60, 70. It was a very small church. My first pastorate. I'll never forget. I was preaching there. It's first couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. I don't remember. And I remember I preached my heart out. <coughs> and I got done with the sermon and we had an invitation. So I went down there as a good pastor does. And I stood there for the invitation. We started singing, just as I am, or one of those. I was expecting for us to get to the end of the song and to go to the back and shake hands and send everybody home. And we we're going to go get something to eat. And all of a sudden, this woman complicated everything. She slipped out from where she was and she walked down to the front and she said, I'd like to accept Jesus as my savior. And I'm full confession here this morning. Here's my confession. I had never even contemplated anybody accepting Jesus Christ at the end of my message. <laughs> what? You, you want to do what? Well, we ought to get a minister up here or something. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to do. See, I was preaching with zero expectation. And I'm afraid that so very often our prayer lives are just like that. We pray with absolutely no expectation that God is either listening, much less answering our prayers. Oh, my dear friend, my God wants to hear from us and he wants us to trust him. He's going to answer your prayer. I know you've heard this before. I'm going to throw it out there. And just in case there's somebody who hasn't, he's going to tell you yes. I love it when God tells you yes. Does everybody like a yes? I love yeses. Oh, God, let that girl fall in love with me. <laughs> he finally answered. <laughs> he gave me the very best. You pray for some things and you just want a yes. But sometimes you hear a no. Sometimes God says no. How many of you like to hear a no? <laughs> Let me tell you a, a memory that I have. It wasn't prayer, but I was pastoring and I had a, um, these deacons and I was in this deacons meeting and I planned this whole idea out for our church and I shared it with the deacons. I was looking for their approval and their encouragement to go forward. And they all looked at me and they said, no, I'll never forget leaving that deacons meeting. I was not happy. I was not a happy preacher because I, I came up with this plan and you all were supposed to get behind me. And you said, no, I was not happy. It was 30 days later. We had a, the next meeting 
And I will never forget this night. I walked into that meeting and I started that meeting. And you know how I started that meeting? I berated those two. No, I didn't. I stood in front of them and I said, gentlemen, I just wanted to say thank you for saying no to me. See, in those 30 days, God had revealed to me that that would have been a horrible plan for that church. I don't even remember what the issue was. But I remember thinking that would have been the worst possible thing for our church. And those deacons listened to the Lord and they stood up to me and told me no. Didn't feel good hearing no. Oh boy, when I realized what would have happened, oh, I was so thankful. I'm thankful when God tells me yes, and I'm thankful when he tells me no. And one of the most painful parts is sometimes he doesn't tell me yes or no. Sometimes he says, just wait. Well, who likes waiting? Nobody likes to wait. I mean, listen, go to a fast food restaurant and pull up to the drive through window and not have your food in two minutes. Sorry. We were to ask God believing, knowing that he's going to hear us and answer us. We're not seeing God answer in big, exciting ways. We're living lower than God is willing to bless. We need to understand that the rule of prayer is to be the regular answer by God. Second is that joy. When you ask and for God to move and he comes through for you, it's, it's hard not to be full of joy. You saw the supernatural move in your life and you see what God is doing in your life. And he comes through for you, puts a smile on your face and a praise in your heart. Number five, seeing people grow. Oh, the joy of seeing people grow. Oh, the joy of seeing people come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians 2.20, very quick, for you are our glory and joy. Third John 1, 3 and 4, for I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. We need to learn one of the greatest joys of being a child of God is pouring into someone else. Hearing someone else pray a sinner's prayer, hearing someone else growing in their faith, there is no greater joy in serving the Lord. Their salvation, their sanctification are worthy goals to spend our lives on. Paul there in 1 Thessalonians speaks of the Thessalonians as his glory and his joy. And that makes perfect sense. He had given his life to start churches and the Christians that made up those churches were obviously the work of his life. To see them growing and serving was a source of great joy. So at the end here, I need to ask a couple of difficult questions. So I want you to listen and I want you to intently answer these questions inwardly between you and a holy God. Are you mature enough to have something to pour into others' lives spiritually? Or are you still a babe yourself? Are you growing in Christ? Are you seeking to grow in Christ? Do you have anything to give? It might be time. B, can you name a few people who you've invested your life in spiritually right now to see them grow in their walk with the Lord? Can you name them? What do you think that looks like? What does it look like 
to pour into somebody else. Here, how about this? I want to make it simple for you. Pray. That's one of the greatest ways to pour into somebody else is pray. Pray for them. Look, I forget who it was. It's a quote. Um, uh, I'll tell you later who it was, but I'll tell you now what it is. No one can do me a greater service than to pray for me. It's either C.S. Lewis or Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one of those guys. There's no greater thing that you could do than to pray for me. Money and cash is accepted, but there's no, come on, smile. There's no, seriously, there's no greater thing that you can do than to pray. It could be praying for people. It could be mentoring them on how to read the Bible. It might be witnessing to them. It might mean meeting with them regularly to help them see the next steps they need to take spiritually in their lives. Whatever it looks like, are you pouring into others? There are far too many of us who live our lives self-centered. We're really only interested in people as we have the opportunity to benefit from them instead of to benefit them. We're not particularly interested in their growth or their progress. Perhaps this is one of the reasons that we don't have as much joy as we should. This is a big issue with the American church. Jesus set a pattern by spending three years pouring his life into his disciples. He did that not only to establish the early church fathers. He didn't do that just to establish the early church. He did not just do that to, to get things rolling. He did that to give us an example of how we're to treat one another. We are supposed to pour into each other, and we're supposed to grow the world for Jesus. We've abandoned this in the church, and it's time to get back to it. So let's not run the church. Let's not just focus on missions and ministries. Let's focus on people. Missions and ministries, they're great, but only when they focus on people. Amen? I pray that you have the joy of the Lord in your heart. And if you don't, if you made it through this message and you're saying, that guy is just a plain idiot, that's fine. If you're sitting there saying, none of that made any sense to me, that's fine. If you don't have joy, I promise you before you leave this room today, you're going to experience just a little bit about what joy is. I'm going to pray and then we're going to bring in the joy. Pray with me, will you? Father God, I love you. I praise you and I thank you today. I thank you for the shepherd's candle. I thank you for joy. I thank you for that proclamation from that angel that night. And I thank you that, that he cried out, not, just, not only just not be afraid. He said, I'm bringing you a message. And this message changes everything for all time. It is a babe born in a manger. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the, the Savior of the world. He is the Son of the living God. He is the Christ. Father, I thank you and I praise you today for joy unspeakable. Father, I pray for each and every soul within the sound of my voice that if they don't have joy, that they will find it today as a result of the things that they've heard here from your word. 
All these things we pray in blessed and Jesus blessed in the holy name. Amen.